Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Moon Knight, I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about the Moon Knight finale, series finale, season finale. I guess we're going to find out. The Either... world is wide open, but I'll tell you what, some stuff happens mm-hmm. here, you know? Yeah. There are scenes. They happen in a particular order. And by the yep. end, there are credits. And there you go. That's right. And then the... I'll tell you what, I, this is a big reveal. There's a scene hidden within the credits. Has Marvel ever done that before? Like a scarab left on a dead body for no reason. Mm. There's a scene hidden in the credits. It was left there for a reason. Not a good one, but we can get (laughs) into it. We're going to be talking about episode six, Gods and Monsters. So if you haven't watched it on Disney Plus yet, please go do that because we're going to get into spoilers. But the broad overview, it all ends here as Harrow resurrects Amit. And Mark Mm. and Steven manage to work their way back to life and to power as Moon Knight. Kanshu is resurrected thanks to Layla, who gets superpowers of her own. She bonds with Tawaret, excuse me, (coughs) to become her uh, avatar Avatar. on Earth. Briefly, but maybe not briefly. I guess we'll see what happens. I think based on the scene where the out of nowhere where the girl's like, Hey, are you an Egyptian superhero? She's like, middle, I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> I was like, I think she's going to be back. Yeah, I think so too. But by the end, they do manage to beat Harrow. They do manage to beat Amit. And then we get a little tease of even more finality at the end here with the reveal, as you called it, in the post credit sequence of Jake Lockley, who I shows up it. and kills Harrow and Amit and is still teaming up with Khonshu, uh, even though Mark and Steven have freed themselves. Now, before... We touch on any of these specific plot points, as we usually do with these finales. Let's talk about the show as a whole. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have Pete, our counterpoint of everything. Marvel is awesome all the time, constantly, forever here to counterbalance us. Uh, But what did you think of it? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Interesting sort of telling remark. Um, I mean... This is we talked about this last time how because I think we all agreed um, that we loved the beginning of this or I'm, I'll also be, I'll just speak for myself I thought this had a, such a great start I liked the the shifting perspectives the um, we were really riding along with Moonlight from the beginning and um, were able to go through the same things he was going through um, and as it went on as the series went on we got away from that and got into this sort of classic big Marvel storytelling where so much is happening. And we get that a little bit here, and I like big storytelling, and I like a lot of the moves here. It's just when things get so big so quickly, there's so many gaps, and we can talk about them as it goes through. And, and these gaps just harm the, uh, the process of really following this story. 
Yeah, my big takeaway here, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that was good. The big good thing about it was Oscar Isaac, who gave a great performance throughout the entire series. Very fun. They clearly gave him a lot of room to play against himself. We got to see the actress Mae Callumway, I believe is her name, playing Layla, do a similar two personalities thing, which was super fun. Uh, and I liked her as well. So overall, the cast was really good. Like I've said a couple of times on the podcast, I think the direction was really good as well. There are always some interesting creative camera moves in every episode. Maybe a little less so here where they probably needed to previs a lot of those huge fights and things. But yeah. At the same time, you had cool shots like Harrow and Moon Knight running at each other on the pyramids with the moon in the background. Um, fun stuff throughout. My big thing here, and not to compare it to other shows, but in my mind, the most comparable in a weird way is WandaVision, I, the first mm. Disney Plus show. And I think at least you and I agree about this. Maybe I'm wrong, but... The thing that really worked about WandaVision was the puzzle box, and when it devolved into a superhero slugfest with people shooting rays and magic at each other at the end, it wasn't quite as strong. Like, it lost a little bit, no pun intended, magic. Moon Knight, to me, almost was the other way. The puzzle box elements were distracting and didn't work in my mind yeah. because they dispensed with them pretty quickly. Like they, yeah. there was no question about the reality of the show. And like I've talked about over the past couple of episodes, they kept trying to jam that back in there. Like what is real? What is happening? Who are these personalities? Are they in a psychiatric hospital? Are they not? And it was nonsense <laughs> versus yeah. the fights were fun and everybody was punching each other. And that was enjoyable. If they had just leaned into that and not tried to work in the, Jeff Lemire, not really Brian Michael Bendis, but like the the questions about sanity era of Moon Knight. Get rid of that in the first episode and then just go from there. That's fine. You can make it like Tomb Raider, the mummy, Indiana Jones, like we talked about with superheroes. And that's all good because that stuff in my mind worked. Yeah, I mean, it's very telling in the after the battle when Mark wakes up in the sanitarium again. And he's just like, you know what? I don't believe this. And he falls backward and it's over. I was like, oh, cool, man. <laughs> me, yeah, me neither, thanks. I guess. Thanks I'm, for I'm showing you. us that scene. Yeah. Um, and I also think this show, like for being called Moon Knight, we sort of didn't really get to ride with Moon Knight very often. Moon Knight was sort of this thing that was like put a little bit on a shelf or at a distance where it was like, what does he do? What are his powers? What does it mean when he switches into um, the Steven suit Moon Knight? Suddenly, that Moon Knight is a badass in this and learned to fight. Some, I guess, when he was sand or something like. Sure, it's no, no, just no. He fought on the boat. He fought on the boat, and he was like, "If Stephen can do this, I can do this as well." And yeah. then he could. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it lost a bit of the the fun of it, and we never got mm -hmm. to really be like, "I understand this hero, Moon Knight," because there's just so much going on he's uh, alive then he dies but he comes back to life because Kanchu powers him Kanchu is a jerk he leaves mark behind towerette has an avatar it's just like um things happening all the time so we don't get to really take a second and enjoy them speaking of which and this ties into a lot of the discussion we had with the last episode and i know it sounds like we're being very negative here i think overall i had a fine time watching this show um, I don't think it's a disaster by any means, but I think there is a lot to pick apart here that could have worked better. This includes, 
I completely did not pick up on this in the last episode, but watching the previously on, they showed the scene of Harrow talking to Khonshu after he had been stuck in the statue and referring to him as being abused by him. That was clearly something they were yeah. trying to parallel between Harrow's relationship with Khonshu and Mark's relationship with his mother. Not that they need to state it out loud, but I feel like there could have been more of a line drawn there between these two characters, because that was not obvious to me, particularly in the episode where Harrow was mostly off screen when we were actually talking about this. Well, and like we didn't like, do we ever find out fully what Harrow and uh, Conchu's relationship was like what happened? Uh, was he I, I'm guessing he was a former avatar like Mark Spector uh, yeah. is now. But we don't ever really know what that like. I would have loved a quick little scene of him as Moon Knight. What was mm-hmm. he? What does his Moon Knight armor look like, and and all that? Like that that then brings brings it all together in a way, as opposed to it being like just a series of assumptions we're supposed to make. It feels like there is a bolder version of this show that could have happened, and I don't know if it was trimmed down at some point or they just never really got there in the writing room, but uh, to your point, yes, we established pretty early on that Harrow was a former avatar of Khonshu, but in the same way where I was sort of... uh, you know, uh, armchair writing the last episode and wondering why didn't we delve more into his Jewish origin if you're going to throw it in there. Mind you, that didn't play at all in this episode, which I'm fine with, and that's good, but, like, I wish, still wish we had never brought it up. Like, there's an episode where you could have, like, hit that really hard, and we didn't get that. Similarly, there's potentially an episode where you do dual flashbacks, where it's not just seeing Mark Stevens' backstory, but also Harrow's backstory, showing those parallels there, showing how they were abused in very different ways, and why these are very similar men, to the point where we get this big final fight, and they do state out loud at the end here with Amit and Kanchu. They're like, we're not that different. We want like 10% different stuff. Why can't we yeah. agree on this? So versus Harrow and uh, Mark, who are just having fist fight in the street without any of that philosophy, we get it through Amit and Kanchu, and that's a bit of a missed opportunity. Well, plus, like that, doing what you just said would have definitely set up why Mark's like, nah, I'm not going to kill this guy. He's, mm-hmm. I identify with him because the way it happened now is like, man, you killed everybody else. You killed everybody nonstop <laughs> all the time. Like, why are you not going to kill the big bad guy? Like, I don't buy that transition just because Layla right. was like, hey, maybe don't do that because it's the end of the fight. Um, I was like, oh, okay, I'll take it. But yeah, I mean, it was I. they played it down to the music and the way they shot it as this is his moment of becoming a superhero. He has decided yeah. not to kill. But as we've talked about incessantly on this podcast and other podcasts, the whole should superheroes kill thing, frankly, is tired at this point. I don't need to see it on TV shows. Like you just said, it didn't enter into Moon Knight at all. Like it was never a question. It was never like, ooh, he's too extreme a vigilante. He really needs to pull back. It was just he was the fist of Kanchu and he decided this time not to be the blade of Kanchu or whatever, you know? So yeah. uh, I don't know. It's also, frankly, structurally, and I understand why they did this way, but it feels like a little bit of a cheat to not show us Jake in that final sequence and only show it in the end credits. Because that's the, another thing that could have showed us Stephen pulling back. If Jake emerges, murders everybody, both Mark and Stephen realize, oh shit, there is this third personality that we knew was there and ignored and didn't talk about for some reason, but whatever. 
and they see that yeah. is the extreme. That is actually what Conchu wants. Again, that would have been impetus for them to pull back there. But and just happen. and also a funny moment rather than just like this open ended mystery that we use as um a uh, as teaser for a future series or something. A moment where they're like, "Wait, who's this dude?" Or some mm-hmm. kind of like little moment where it's like, "We're sorted out now. We got another dude. How many other guys are in here?" Um, or something like that. Well, and also, as we talked about the last episode, while we're picking everything apart, firmly establishing Jake as a third personality who works with Conchu really confuses that whole heart thing that is going on in the afterlife. (laughs) Because there's two hearts, but there's a third personality there, and maybe more as they tease. So, like, I I just don't understand how that works. You know, like, I understand what they were going for there. They were simplifying it. But unfortunately, like you've been getting at, they complicate it too much for it to actually make sense when you look at it closely. Yeah. Um, Well, let's walk through the episode a little bit because there are some specific things that I think are fun to talk about. Um, You get um, early on, uh, you get the line from Harrow, like Mark Spector, Stephen Grant. Whoever else might be in there, wink. And I think he said wink, right? He did. He, he said, said the it word out loud. Wink. I was watching it with the closed captions on, and it said wink in the closed yeah, captions. Yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, really teasing that up. And um, when they pull, when Harold pulls the Amit statue, and maybe just because we're, this came out on May the 4th, I was like, is that Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> that statue Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> Because uh, I was like, it looks a lot like Jar Jar. And to have when um, Amit's revealed, I was like, what if he's like, Misa gonna get these souls back or something? <laughs> Would have been well, a strong did you feel choice. Like, uh, again, uh, maybe I'm looking too closely at this, but that's kind of our job here on the podcast that we don't get paid for. We have the, Marvel Vision. Yes, we have Marvel Vision. The It felt like there were bits missing or something of a lot of these sequences while they were going through it. Like there were things like, uh, this is sort of a side thing, but Layla, the entire episode, wasn't she in the room with Stephen Mark when he got shot? The fact that they were like, I don't know where she is. Well, she's just knocking out our guys. I guess we got to leave this scarab and go. Ooh, there's somebody in this temple. Well, let's leave again. It, well, it was just strange. It was strange. Uh, the sort of... Um the blocking of this whole sequence mm-hmm. because she was in the room and a gun, he was shot. And the way guns work is you sort of have to be in the same place. So mm-hmm. he was shot in the same room where Layla was also there. And moments later, she's gone. And they're like pushing the body over in the, the water there. So, well, and I, I bring that up in reference to the whole Amit resurrection thing, because it was the same sort of thing. I'm neglecting, I'm forgetting these specific moments, but there's a couple of things where like, when he takes the statue and his staff turns into the crocodile head. Oh, the yeah, the gator cane. Very cool. How did that happen? It felt like there was a shot missing in the middle there. Some like it just sort of turned into it and there was no explanation yeah. or anything like that. And then again, while I'm sort of jumping all over the place a little bit and just talking about things that I felt like very quick and weird, the whole thing where they're like, we need to have a big ceremony to lock these people in these statues. And then ultimately Harrow frees Abbott by stepping on the statue. Well, it's like, have you ever made a statue? They're hard to build, easy Mm -hmm. to wreck. Just like a sandcastle, which is something we deal with a lot here. um, uh, When the enemy, and a lot of this is just the beach itself. Oh, wow, man. You you can, I never thought about that. I've never really thought about how you can 
punch the beach and never really change it. Is that anything we've talked about on this podcast before? I don't think so. It doesn't sound like us. Well, you, you're not a beach guy. No. <laughs> how like how can beach? you tell? How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have talked about Is that. Is it my pasty you skin? <laughs> well, you don't like the sun, obviously, but you sure. also don't like sand, tiny sand. No. Ugh. No, yeah. thanks. It gets everywhere. It's, yeah. it's so a cost-benefit you... thing, honestly. Like, going oh, to the beach. Going to the beach could be nice. Hanging out with friends, going to the water, good time. But then you're so disgusting afterwards. Sand is everywhere. It's such a chore. No thanks. I love that old Beach Boys song where, like, it's a cause-benefit thing being at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I tell you why. Uh, I've recently benefit. seen on two different shows set in the UK, they went to beaches and they're like, oh, what a nice time we're having at the beach. It was all stones. Like, there was no stand yeah, there. Pebble it was beach. just Pebble Beach. Yeah. And I was like, oh. That sounds that feels very uncomfortable to me, but maybe less chance of interesting being a, having a bad time. So you're saying so you don't like sand because it's just too small. It's too you small. want big sand, tiny rocks. No thanks. Scary. Where um, do they come from? Exactly. How they get so small? And yeah. if they're that small, are there even smaller rocks we don't even see? Oh, what about man. the sand we don't see? Rocks getting in my eyes. Yeah, we might be at the beach right now. We just don't uh, feel it. Um, because I do think maybe you didn't like this episode so much because of all of the sand. Yeah. Uh, like my best friend Atticus Skywalker, may may the fourth be with you. I don't like sand. <laughs> Your best friend, um, the Gator Cane. Do you feel? And then maybe it is a crocodile. I just like the way Gator Cane sounds. Yeah, um, they do say later better. gators, so it makes yeah. sense. Do you feel like someday we're all going to enter like a Gator Cane phase of our lives, where we are like, look at this cool cane I have. Probably. Do you do you drink Gatorade? Because they have those points, and if you drink enough Gatorade, you can get a Gator Cane. Gator Cane? <laughs> wow, that's a lot. you got to save up for a lifetime to get totally. a Gator Cane. Absolutely. But the nice thing about it is if you drink a lot of Gatorade, you age real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so salty. Yes. Uh, so salty. Um, the Gator Cane does a lot of soul snatching. Uh, and the, again, Layla is hiding out with the bad guys, and they're like, "Anybody want to question the one person wearing a mask? <laughs> hey, who's who's mask lady?" Uh, but yeah. they don't. And then, fortunately, Tabaret shows up and talks through. I want to say Borat. I think <laughs> it was Borat. I think it was Borat. Uh, I like that sequence. It was uh, surprising. I was going to say strange, but yeah. surprising because we didn't know Towerette could do that or have any indication before, but fun. It was, it was cool. It was fun. I like that idea. And honestly, the Towerette stuff um, through all of this was some of the more fun stuff. The energy that um, the the character, the voice um, playing Towerette brought to it, I thought was a nice addition. And when Layla is turns into, um, I guess, um, Hippo Bird Knight, I don't know mm-hmm. what we're calling her. Um, because she's a hippo, the avatar for the hippo god of death, but has wings. Cool. Right. I like that. Um, they, maybe it's a bird that cleans the hippo's teeth. Oh, yeah. It could be that, potentially. Uh, I liked her costume. I thought it was pretty good. I did, too. I was a little nervous when they teased it, though I guess I shouldn't have been, because they always do a pretty good job with the costumes. But um, it's very Falcon-esque, but... Oh, yeah. At the same time, that's all right. It still works. It's fine. Um, It's fun to get her in costume. I know we were a little critical before about Steven amping up his fighting, but at the same time, that was a fun sequence, seeing them fighting side by side and together. Um, And I think 
This is the first original superhero that they've introduced in the MCU, right? Ooh, interesting. Yes. Because, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know of this character at all outside of this. Yeah, Layla was an original creation for the show anyway. There was Melina was a character who was often related to, I forget if it was Mark or Steven, but from the Moon Knight comics. But they wanted to create somebody new. They wanted to create somebody Egyptian. And so they created an original superhero as well. So that's pretty cool. I would not be shocked if she shows up in the comics sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Which, and uh, potentially somewhere in the MCU. It's It's good to have her as a hero and... Uh, it like we said, it's a fun costume. I'm curious to see what else she could do other than essentially be Falcon. Um, so I don't know. Should be should yeah. be fun. Should be a nice time. I liked her. I liked like we talked about her. Um, the scene where she is having the duel, the towelette conversation, the scene where she's with um the Avatar, like Osiris's Avatar, and he's like, uh, we we're not doing so hot here. We need more avatars, and I was like, James Cameron is helping us out with that. Oh, in a big time, current, um, very current. Yeah, check out but the that, trailer in theaters this weekend on Doctor Strange Two. It's all happening all the time. The but that whole like when um everything bad is happening and Harrow's breaking into the pyramid, and that Osiris avatar is like, someone's releasing Ahmed. Who? Who could do this? I was like, come on, man. Like, that's the kind of stuff in, a, in a, a big episode like this. I'm like, you can't have your characters be this far behind us, the audience, yeah. who are like, like, come on, guys, catch up. And then they're they're defeated off camera Im immediately. Yeah, there was a lot of defeating off camera and doing stuff off camera. I wonder if it was a budget thing or a time thing or something like that. I suspect it wasn't. I suspect it was a structural thing because... There were a lot of lines throughout this episode that were blunt, you know, yeah. you mentioned, and I'm sure I don't want to speak out of turn because I'm sure there is something to be said if you are of Egyptian descent, that it probably felt very empowering to see the young girl come up and be like, are you Egyptian superhero? Yes. And hearing that so definitively out loud, that is important. But at the same time, I've seen that scene, particularly with female superheroes, so many times where they're like... A little, they save a little girl. The little girl's like, you're an amazing superhero and an inspiration to everybody. And they're like, thanks very much. Goodbye. And yeah. then, I don't know. It starts to feel like a trope more than anything. And there was a lot of very tropey stuff and tropey lines throughout the episode that uh, even felt more blunt than previous episodes, you know? And maybe that yeah. is just... Maybe that's just a factor of when you're getting to the big superhero fight, you got to do it all in previous it's gotta previous. happen yeah yeah exactly so you gotta and and also it. there's not a lot of real estate in this show to have like a longer conversation with um a a girl who's being rescued um and also it's sort of like i see why they did it but it also doesn't isn't germane to what's happening at all yeah in here like when they kept shooting to the that the, they kept cutting to the people getting in the van i was like who are these people and like, oh, just people that are in trouble? I was like, that's everybody here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at those people who are having dinner in the alleyway. Their whole dinner got blown away. Uh, that's a strong wind to mm -hmm. blow away all those um, dishes uh, directly. Yeah, I was uh, What did you think them. about the move, <laughs> speaking about undefined powers, where Mark is like, God, how am I going to get there in time? And Conscious is like, oh, you can always fly. 
Yeah. And then he just flies. Well, after all of the like resurrection and the stress, Kanchu's battling Amit in one body. And then Mark walks out of the pyramid, walks, and Kanchu's like, hey, do you want to um, help with this fight? And he's like, <laughs> then he goes through the whole oath. I was like, you got to say the oath? Get going to the whole other pyramid over there. Well, I think um, that was a flashback. I think that part was a flashback. It was just kind of reminding us that he was going through it again. No, I yes, but the, he does walk out of the where he died and mm-hmm. has a conchu conversation, and then they do the, the flashback cutaway conversation. Conversation. Oh man, I got into a big conversation with my Oof. wife the other day. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, so I, let, let's throw out some compliments here. I really liked Conchu's character throughout this series as being like a dick, mm-hmm. um, sort of throughout. The voice work was great. And the fact that they were able to make him a little bit threatening and a little bit bad at his job as a god, I thought was such a smart choice. And when Amit and Kanchu first face off, they had sort of like bad breakup energy. Mm-hmm. Like they know, knew each other. And I thought that was fun. I wish they had pushed that a little further um, and had that fight be a little bit more like, we're gods, we do this all the time. So naturally we can have a little bit of banter because there just wasn't going to be banter between Moon Knight and, and Hale. I mean, honestly, at a certain level, the god stuff was more interesting and more fun than the human stuff, including Towerette, which is a rarity. You wouldn't expect that with a bunch of CGI yeah. characters running around. But yeah, like you said, they have all this backstory that's very interesting and fun to play with, down to Osiris as well, who we only get through the Avatar. But like you said, the design of Kanchu, just at a base level, I don't know why oh, this so is good. my focus almost every time he showed up, but those little like threads that are connecting his yeah. skull to his neck, really creepy, but interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. I liked it. It was good stuff. Yeah. Very and cool. I also liked his suit at the end of the end credit sequence. I thought that was fun. And that was a riff on what he looked like in Declan Shalvey's design at certain points as well. Um, so that was good stuff. Yeah. Uh, very cool. And like you said early on, a lot of cool shots. There's the great shot of Mark's perspective when Harrow's about to kill him. And you see him looking up at Harrow and behind them, Amit is like throwing Kanchu to the ground. I was like, oh, that's a cool shot. Give a, giving us all that context from a, a POV shot like that, I thought was was cool. Um, and there were a lot of things like that where like the action felt of a piece, um, mm-hmm. which is hard when you're doing a lot of real elements with that CGI stuff uh, to make it look convincing. Kanchu was really well done. Ahmed I thought was cool uh, from a CGI perspective um, and not at all like the Jar Jar Binks that I first thought we were going to get. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the ending? Because like we mentioned earlier, there's a bunch of things that happen in quick succession here that, again, I feel I understand why they had this impulse, but I wish they had forgot it because I feel like it confuses things too much. You get uh, Mark and Steven getting let go by Khonshu. Then they wake up in the psychiatric hospital. Harrow is leaving some bloody footprints. They realize and they're switching back and forth. And this is a very fun, nice sequence with Oster Isaac playing both characters in the frame at the same time, um, which is very cool. I don't think we saw that before on the show. And I assume they held back until the finale for that specific purpose. Um, And he realizes, wait, I'm going to go. Harrow is actually trapped here, if anything. And then we cut to Harrow in the real psychiatric hospital in the, oh, sorry, that's, uh, there's a little bit of time first. First, 
Mark wakes up in Steven's apartment. His leg is still tied to the bed. There's two fish there now. We don't know exactly why. And he's like, oh boy, I can't believe you live like this. And that's the end of the show. And then- And I will say, just real quick on that. um, I thought it was strange we never got a tie up on the Layla Mm -hmm. relationship. Like, because there was a whole love triangle thing happening between uh, Mark, Stephen, and Layla. And it felt like Stephen and Layla were sort of um, vibing, for lack of a better word. Um, and to have it just be like he wakes up alone and no final, like, is she there? Are they I thought she was going to be in the other? bed. Yeah. Yeah. Or making coffee. Not that we needed, like, oh, they hooked up. Awesome. No, I needed but just a like... full-on sex scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right at ball, the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, during sex, the personality switching, confusing. Absolutely. But it's kind of a, kind of a threesome. Yeah. And throw Jake. I mean, you know, Jake's going to pop up in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, uh, let's not take it that far. But the, uh, that whole thing at the end, like, I assume they were presenting the two fish to be like, yes, their personalities are together and it's metaphorically that. But also, I guess Jake went down and bought them two fish at some point <laughs> is the implication there. Yeah. Who's going to the the epic battle where hundreds of souls were sacrificed, many, many dead bodies. And then back in London, they're like, yeah, I guess um, a goldfish, like pretty big one, like mm-hmm. sort of round as opposed to the tiny um, and he has some more food because we have a second fish. And um, great, that's it. Maybe he went to a fair and won it at some sort of ring toss situation. And that's where I got goldfish as a kid. The most violent thing I can think of is going to a fair and playing the ring toss. So it makes sense that Jake Lockley would do that. Speaking of which, let's talk about that end credits sequence. So Harrow wakes up in the psychiatric hospital. It is the Senkowitz psychiatric facility. Shout out to Bill Senkowitz. Sinkovich, I never know how to pronounce his name, Uh, classic Moon Knight, among many other things, artist. And he initially sees sand in his coffee cup, which, again, gross. And then it turns out to be coffee. I order my coffee sandy. Do you? That's just the way I like it. Yep. That's too much sugar, right? Yeah, all sugar. Very sugar. liquid. (laughs) Drop of coffee. Yeah. And then he gets taken out of the facility by Conchu and Jake Lockley. Jake Lockley seemingly kills him, and that's where we end the show. First of all, I'll just say, real bummer if they did kill Harrow. I never like killing the villains. It's it's unnecessary, you know? I mean, I think they did kill him. But I, yeah. honestly, the way that the, the look on, on Harrow's face, it was almost like, wait, I'm Ethan Hawke. I'll come back for the second season. <laughs> and then they killed him. Uh, which I was like, oh, bummer to go out that way. Um, yeah, and like also kill killed all the hospital people. Seems unnecessary to do that. Um, yeah, the whole it's, thing. It's uh, I understand why they had this impulse. It's a little annoying. It's also the second Disney Plus Marvel show in a row that's had that thing of the villain being confronted by hero anti hero, being like, wait. Don't kill me. And then the camera pulls away and pans up as they shoot them. That's what happened with Echo and Kingpin over in Hawkeye. So I don't know. That's obviously unintentional, but it's a little bit of repetitive storytelling there. (laughs) And ultimately, like they said at the beginning here, I mean, they, they had no bones about, of course, Oscar Isaac and Moon Knight can come back at some point, but they really just wanted to concentrate on making six episodes. That's it. Reportedly, Oscar Isaac's contract totally different than everybody else in Marvel was not for 45 movies after this. It was just for this show, and that was it. 
So mm-hmm. I wish because of that they had not left it open and had a more definitive ending here because of course he's going to come back, but it feels it feels like they just sort of petered out at the end of the show more than anything to me. Um, yeah, I, I didn't feel like it petered out quite as hard, I guess, when it comes to Moon Knight as a as a character. I mean, it mm-hmm. opens the door for like, uh, obviously a problem like we predicted in previous episodes, having Jake, Jake is sort of, Jake and Conchu are sort of the enemies here now. Mm-hmm. Um, what the only issue with that, I think going forward is we've done the whole like, how do I get along with this person occupying the same body? To have that be also the problem in the future feels like I would I would want a real creative way of of showing that or or getting into that as opposed to a lot of like looks to the reflection in the um, windshield uh, next to the in the car next door and being like Jake, you knock it off. <laughs> yeah, and hey, maybe there's other personalities in there as well. I guess we'll see potentially uh, assuming there's a second season or he shows up elsewhere. And on that note, why don't we turn to our vision board and talk about where, if anywhere you would like to see Moon Knight show up next or super Layla. Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> we're sort of early on in the, um, the in this phase of the M, excuse me, the MCU, we've got Dr. Strange two coming out in a matter of hours at this point that I think is going to really open up the next Phase movies, I feel like we'll probably get some um, looks at Moon Knight over the course of these next few movies. It's like Moon Knight being in like another multiverse or Khonshu win, like takes over the world or something like that. So we have those reference points. But I don't think we have a shape of what the big Avengers Endgame, everybody shows up for the fight. I don't think we know any of the contours of that yet. Um, so it's hard to tell where we'll see Moon Knight. And it also feels like the television side of everything isn't building toward a Defender-style uh, thing like the, the the Netflix shows was. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this a little bit this morning after watching Moon Knight, how everybody keeps talking about this stuff as it's phase four of Marvel. And phase one, two, and three felt much more clear in terms of the thrust of the overall story, but also as significant chunks of what they were building towards. Here, phase four has been going on for years at this point. I I don't know. Phase four could be forever. It could be for the rest of our lifetime. So like you're saying, we don't have the shape there. But that said, I think people have talked about, and this makes a lot of sense, you could have a Midnight Suns type thing at some point with Moon Knight, with Blade, if Ghost Rider shows up again, if they do a reboot of that. Um, There's a lot of other characters from sort of the dark supernatural side of the universe would be interesting. The other thing that I think potentially would be interesting, I still have questions about how we went from Thor a decade ago at this point saying what you think of as magic we call science to this being like, nah, they're gods. It's an afterlife. They all have magic. Don't worry about it. There's no technology involved here or whatever. So we could head towards some sort of place where we have like a god war. You know, there clearly are all of these other pantheons out there with the, we definitely have the Greek gods are going to be showing up in Thor Love and Thunder. Obviously we have the Asgardian gods or whatever's left of them. Now we have the Egyptian gods. So how does that all work together? I, I don't know what that leads towards as a story, but it is a potentially interesting place to go in terms of how religion 
how these gods work in the Marvel universe going forward as you add in more and more of them. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of what big crossover event in Marvel Comics history we could point to that is that sort of god war thing. Like, obviously, with the, the all the Thanos stuff, it was Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, a very clean um, connection point. Um, I, I just don't know what the big Pantheon versus Pantheon reference would be. I mean, it could also be something like they could show up in Thor Love and Thunder and get wiped out again, potentially, just because you have Gore the God Butcher, Christian Bale as yeah. the villain there. So it could be that. It could also be the same sort of thing where maybe not that, but somewhere down the road, it's fodder to be like, ooh, there's this big villain and he's going around and murdering all the pantheons and anybody could be a threat to him or her or whatever. Um, so I don't know. But like you said, I, there's not a specific storyline to point to. It's just... They're building up this side of the universe, but they're also building up all the sides of the universe. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Because uh, I think the the even money is on Secret War being sort of the next phase, um, sort of a multiversal version of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I could definitely see that where we get like all the bunch of Spider-Mans are all everyone's fighting in space against this like high evolutionary type character um, or no, sorry, Beyonder type character. Uh, but we'll see, I guess. Uh, the last one that I wanted to say on the vision board, and this is more like a call, a pitch to Marvel of what they need to do, is obviously the makers of Moon Knight wanted to make a big statement in terms of the you're an Egyptian superhero right moment that we talked about. Don't leave Layla on the bench until whenever Moon Knight appears again. The yeah. best way of cementing her as that Egyptian superhero, you don't even necessarily have to give her her own series. You don't need to give her her own movie, though obviously that would be great. But have her show up someplace else. Have her interact with somebody else. That's how you keep that train going. That's how you really make a statement more than that one scene with the little girl. Captain America Winter Soldier Season 2. There's an episode in Egypt or anywhere um, in that side of the world. She's there. That's a great Easy. idea. I mean, particularly like you get the classic Marvel. Well, you have wings, too. I also have wings. How are our wings different? Yeah. And then they just kind of roll from there. Uh, they're doing uh, Captain America 4. So or were doing Captain America 4. There's been some scuttlebutt about behind the scenes. So that would be a perfect place to put her. I love that idea. Let's make it happen, Marvel. Let's, and we can for, make it happen. We're going to make it happen. And for all of you out there, thank you for listening to the Moon Knight portion of our podcast. We will be back with a podcast for Doctor Strange 2 in a matter of days at this point. Yes. So tune back for that. Also, potentially we'll keep things going up until Miss Marvel comes up in June. So stay tuned for that. But otherwise, you can support this podcast and all the podcasts we do at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Moon Knight or whatever else is coming next. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, also at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Stay marvelous, uh, Hippo Bird Knight. Hippo Bird Knight.